Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Soccer 101 with Moon and Rocchio. Hey, welcome back to Soccer 101. I am Moon. That is Matt Rocchio. We have a lot to talk about here. Uh, just with St. Louis City SC and the couple, the, the past couple matches, it's only been a week. Uh, but we had an MLS game. We had a Champions Cup game. We're about to have another MLS game. Uh, there was a signing in, in there. There was a couple starts that we were looking forward to. Uh, there's some controversy. We're going to get to all of it today in a quick episode because uh, this is the weekend of uh, week two for MLS as uh, St. Louis SC take on St. Louis City SC take on uh, New York City. Uh, FC. So this is going to be uh, this is this is going to be a great weekend, hopefully. And if you're listening to this post game, hopefully it was a great weekend for us. But let's start. <laughs> let's start with last week, uh, the uh, match that kicked off the MLS season for St. Louis City SC against Real Salt Lake. My good friends over at Real Salt Lake. I'm uh, I'm wearing a hat that came from Salt Lake, but has nothing to do with soccer. And um, God dang it, Matt, we we came away with one point and. I hate to say it, we didn't even deserve that. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Saturday wasn't a good game. I mean, you, you compare it to, to Tuesday against Houston, which we're going to talk about, and it, it doesn't look as bad. But when you compare it with the first Houston game, it really was a little bit of a disappointment, a little bit of a letdown. Um, you know, RSL had a lot of problems last year in their defense giving up turnovers pretty high up the pitch. And despite, you know, City wanting to play a high press and, and nominally playing the high press, they really just weren't able to create that kind of pressure against an RSL squad they had been a few days before against uh, Houston. I do want to say, because this that 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 threat is going to be fairly common as we talk about the RSL game and the, and the second Dynamo game in Houston. I do want to say, though, how much, just as a, like a blanket starting point, which is how much of the press in games in RSL and Houston 2 how much of the, was the press was affected by the fact that they weren't always 100% on the back line? Because, again, the back line played pretty good against Houston, didn't do that well against RSL, but only let up one goal. But I'm just wondering, how much do you not press because you're worried about the back line? And I wonder, did we see that in the second half against RSL when Tim Parker had already gone out with an injury, then Josh Yarrow's getting nicked up with head injuries? Did we see them pull back the press because they don't want to extend a back line that is playing people out of position or playing mostly backups. And so that's kind of my big takeaway from those first two games. Cause you're right. It wasn't good enough because the key of this team wasn't playing well. And before we, you know, and, and that's, that, I mean, that's my big takeaway from RSL. It wasn't good enough. And again, a lot like um, some problematic times in that first game, the win against Houston, it seemed like what this team needed was somebody to go one-on-one and take over the game. And that's how they got the one goal from Sam Adenarin. The team game isn't there yet for City, and that's a problem. You know, that's the thing. You, you ask, like, was there an issue with the press? Was there an issue with the uh, the, the back line? To tell you the truth, I, I feel like I'm pretty astute at, at, at watching these matches back and even watching them a second time and, like, kind of discovering, you know, like what the tactics are and all that. I have no idea. 
I have no idea. Like there was so, there was such a lack of spirit and such a lack of um I mean, for lack of a better term, a soul from the team that I have no idea what their plan was. I have no idea what their plan was from the start. I have no idea what their plan was at the half with the subs. I mean, on paper, you can kind of see what they're going for, but um, it just lacked a ton of spirit. And I'll, we'll start with the RL, RSL match. I've watched back all the highlight reels uh, more than three times, and each time I had kind of a different takeaway from it. Um, and one was, the, the the common thread was, we didn't deserve a point. and I don't think RSL really earned one either. Uh, no, to t- to tell you the truth, right. dude, we had so so many mistakes. Like they have they have a couple good attackers that honestly can't even finish uh, uh, all that well anyway. Because with the opportunities, I started counting the opportunities that we gave them, not opportunities that they created. Opportunities that we literally just said, "Oh, here's a pass back," and 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 I'm not even talking about that Leuven ball that 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 he, you know, horribly passed back. Markanic didn't even like didn't even sprint to cover there there was like we're not talking about single mistakes we're talking about two and three step mistakes from a, a team that just had no spirit and and i hate to say this but last year the real strength wasn't just the skill and the 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 luck and the, the ball bouncing our way a couple times for those first five matches it was like a legitimate spirit this this team had shape it had soul it had like a you know, resilience uh, on bouncing back, but it had like a real, it seemed like a real mindset to just destroy people and, and, and um, I don't know, show, uh, show some heart. And and I'm not seeing any heart. I'm almost seeing like this weird fear. And I don't want to point out Josh Yarrow. Cause I really like that guy. I, I'm really supporting that dude, but half the time out there, he, he looks like he's afraid to be there and, and, and we can't have that. And I think that a little bit goes back to what I was saying, you know, earlier about just like wondering how much of, you know, the lack of pressing was the fact that you just, your back line has not been healthy. Um, since, you're saying you tactically, know, you're saying, I'm, you're... I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking tactically. Cause you know, my, I, I don't try to, I've, that's where I'm going to go to. I, I'm, I'm never effort and things like that. I think there's, there's little moments in heart and, and, and you know, that kind of thing. There's little moments I think where you can pick it out. But, you know, there, I think there's other things where, where it gets over-evaluated. Like, you know, Yarrow on the goal, um, Yarrow on the goal against RSL, he's kind of, you know, he's moving a little awkwardly and he's taking kind of these, like, shuffling steps and not giving it his all, probably just because he's out of position and he doesn't think he can get there. Well, some, But some people are going to see, like, well, that's low effort. And so I, I don't want to get into that discussion. So I'm just saying just tactically, I think – I'm just wondering is how much of this is going from the fact that as soon as Tuesday of last week, that first game at City Park ended against Houston, as soon as you don't have an 100% healthy back line and as soon as your rotation is immediately screwed over and maybe even not even there because, look, Deer hasn't played for the first three games, and that's, I think, thrown off the rotation a little bit. I think you definitely saw that in, in Houston, and I just think maybe that's affecting the entire scheme because the bottom line is the scheme is a press, and, and more so than last year – it's not about sitting back and absorbing pressure and then getting them on the transition. That was a big part last year. Now it's it's really is I think more so than than ever before in all parts of the pitch, creating you know winning the ball back as soon as possible. That that idea of our our best offense is going to be is coming off our own turnover because we turned the ball back over from them. That actual gagging pressing, not just a not just a counterattacking mindset, but a gagging pressing mindset. I really think is what they wanted. You saw them; they were pressing all the way up the field consistently against Houston in that very first game. But as soon as the back line takes some nicks, 
everything looks different against RSL and then again down in Houston. And I really think that's one of the reasons, while a lot of people, a lot of the comments I've seen from fans has been, well, what is this team's identity? You saw it one time and you haven't seen it twice because you can't press high up the field when you don't have a back line that you can be consistent, that you can be, that you know is going to snuff out those big over the top passes that get over your, your midfield and over the back line. They have been caught with the ball behind them. Yes, I mean, I mean, every every two and a half minutes it seems, yes. and and uh, and I don't know. So, so if you can't play a high line because you don't have the shape to 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 catch up to some of these strikers, maybe that's just it. Maybe, and I'm not talking about shape of the field. I'm talking about shape of the players. And, and you know, I like how you're well, you're do, talk- They do when they're healthy. It's just Dude. that as soon as Houston ended, they weren't they they were they weren't healthy. As soon as the first game's over, people are already nicked up. You, you have the Nielsen factor that he's not 100% healthy. And again, the do your thing's weird to me. I'm not making, that's not an excuse. I'm, I'm legitimately wondering what has happened that Nicholas Dewyer isn't ready to go. I know that unlike a guy like Matty Crooks, who's the English defender, uh, uh, attacker who came out for RSL, he'd gotten there like three days before and then he played against City off the bench. Why has Dewyer not come off the bench? Well, he hasn't played in two months because of the way the season works before he got to City and now he's been working his way in. I don't know if that's a mistake. I don't know if, if someone is fitness is 100% or if that's just one of the things you got to chalk up of. That's the way the game works when you're getting transfers in. But the, their defense hasn't been healthy since a game one, and I really do think that's affecting things. It's not an excuse. I, it's a reason. The yeah. problem is now here's the re- now here's the thing where I don't want to make an excuse. As soon as everything starts kind of cracking on Tuesday and the Kyle Hebert injury going in is obviously a, a huge variable there. Can we criticize City for not having a secondary option to go to that can consistently find them looks without having that high press? And my 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 answer to that would be: I think we saw that in two games in in Houston against RSL, where they were trying a lot more one twos, quick passing in in corridors to try to open things up. And the answer to that is they simply couldn't complete the freaking pass. And so I don't. And so I think there's a lot of questions and answers and variables here that we don't know 100 percent about. Because again, did they change the system because they didn't? They couldn't play their high pressing one. I think they kind of did, but then they horribly, horribly failed at enacting that new system. And do you want to put that on the players or the staff or what have you? That's your call. But I think that's what happened. I know what you're saying. I understand the injuries are playing a huge part, but fitness overall is is clearly an issue, and um, they're not connecting any passes. If they're if they're shifting, uh, if they're if they're shifting strategies and and shapes and 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 uh, formations and all that kind of stuff, you still got to put passes together, and the passes have yeah. been horrible. And well, I, and I'm just gonna say, in, individually speaking, as a defender. I don't care if I've lost a leg. Like I I need to be seen as a as a scary as a scary person out there and you are in, you are in my zone and this is my zone and you will not, you're not going to be, I'm not going to let you feel on balance. I'm not going to let you feel like you have control here. I'm not going to let you feel like this is going to be your ball. And, and I, and I hate to say that as somebody that never, you know, played pro ball or something, but like as, as a defender, when you see a squad, they don't have to be the greatest defenders. They just have to be the gnarliest territorial people. They're bulldogs. You're supposed to be a bulldog and you're supposed to make these people feel very uneasy after the second minute of the game game has elapsed feel very uneasy coming forward and we just i haven't seen not a single defender not a single defender in three starts and a couple subs coming in not one of them make that back line theirs in any way they seem 
scared when the ball gets back here. Like, oh god, oh god, oh god, I got to do something. And uh, and I I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's a if it's a mental thing. I don't know what's going on in training. I I really don't know. Um, but they they've been playing like they aren't uh you know just going after it and and this is that we last season was such an aggressive aggressive like we are counter-attacking aggressive team we're going to be quick 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 and i haven't seen anything anything of all the philosophical talk from last year not not one flash not even like a oh there it is and and we blew it or oh he swinging a miss like I, I haven't seen it. Are, are you talking about across the whole team? Or are you specific, specifically talking about the back line right now? For the most part, I'm talking about the back line in the midfield. Um, okay, so here, here's my thing. I think the back line, and let, let's let's move forward to, to Houston a little bit here. I think the back line, considering you're talking about a Michael Wenzel, who, who who's coming up from your City 2 team on, on a short-term loan, you were playing a Keel Watts out of position at left back. I mean, this is a guy who was a midi last year, switched to right defend or uh, switch to right back and now he's playing left back right out of the gate for his first start of the season so I actually thought the back line played pretty well against Houston except for the fact that they as you put it extremely well and this is exactly what Bradley Carnell said after the game in Houston that a lack of aggressiveness and I guess instead of waiting for the ball to come to you a proactiveness on the ball is what caused Houston's first goal. He even said, if we have Nielsen or Parker in for that ball, they probably make a, a play on it and don't let it bounce. And that Houston goal probably doesn't happen. But overall, outside of the one big moment, I do think the back line showed them showed a lot of heart against Houston in that third, in that second game in Houston. I just think that game, even more so than RSL, was just a completely anemic offense that doomed City from the get-go. Yeah, so let's talk about the details. First leg of the match or of the uh, champ- Champions Cup uh, with Houston Dynamo took place in City Park. They uh, they got the win, but as we talked about going that with the goal. yeah with with the aggregate, uh, Houston had a goal here at City Park. So the only situation we really didn't want going to second leg back in Houston was a one nothing loss because we would then have zero away goals and the aggregate score would be 2-2 but Houston would have the advantage on the away goal that they got the previous week in City Park and that is exactly what happened. Uh Eric uh Svetchenko's goal in the 60th minute gave Houston the lead and ultimately the win because City just couldn't turn anything into action to make a goal. Uh now they signed short-term loan agreement with City SC uh St. Louis City 2's Michael Winsel uh and he made his first start also MLS super draft pick uh, Jose Kojima made his first start for City SC, and that was cool to see. I think he's going to be a, a a key component to a lot of the a lot of the speed, a lot of the aggression, and everything that we're hoping to see uh, later in the um, in the season. But you know, it just it, it wasn't enough. And, and on paper, Rockio, you you looking at this? You looking at this on paper? You got Nerwinski, you got Wenzel, you got Nilsson, you got Watts, you got Durkin, you got Kojima. Uh, and then Leuven comes in for Kojima in the seven, 72nd minute. You got Ostrak in there. Ostrak, I love him. He takes shots. I like this guy. He was replaced by Jackson in the 58th. You love Jackson. Uh, and he's he's got speed. He's got he's got creativity. He's got it all. Vasilev starts. Then Celio comes in for him at the 58th. We got a Dinerin. And uh, and Thorson takes over for him in the 72nd. And Klaus. But those Dinerin and Klaus both starts. On paper, this starting this starting lineup is is over Houston. It's a better team. 
it, mean, it should, I, here's the thing, should produce a goal or two. You uh, say that, but let's 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 put some context on this really quick. Again, an Akil Watts playing out of position, a Michael Wenzel starting on loan, a Nielsen who is not at hundred percent fitness playing a second game in four days. Um, and then you have a MLS super draft rookie making his first ever start. So just out of the gate, that is, that's four positions of your back six that are, that have little question marks around them because it, it, you don't know a hundred percent what's going to happen because you're putting a player out of position. You're, straining their fitness or this is a guy who's put in a high pressure situation as a first time start and so those, are, you, those are four pretty big variables when you're going up against a houston team that's playing a very similar lineup to what they did a week ago and has some killers in their lineup like Kia, who, who almost made a difference last week and then made a difference this week and so a guy would like you, crooks coming off the bench would you have started jackson and leuven and then uh and you know with the intention of subbing them out at, at the half or just beyond you couldn't I don't think you could start Lewin where his fitness was. The Jackson one, and again, Jackson had, had played, had already played 180 minutes, you know, about 180 minutes in the first two games. So his fitness was, there was no chance that he was at 100%, even though I know he's young and everyone, and he says the trainer told him, you only need two days to recover. That's, he runs so damn much. He's probably, he's got to be one of the highest runners on the team, um, especially, you know, non-flanking position. I'm, I'm guessing probably five or six miles a game. And so there's no, I, yeah, I understand why they had to go to this lineup. This is not a surprising thing. I mean, if you watch Champions League and stuff like that, I mean, teams don't always have their their 100% lineups for these matchups because it's a midweek game or it's yeah. you know, pressuring them, pressuring them, you know, on their league schedule and things still, like that. I'm not dude, saying we're it's still an early in the season. Yeah, we're not six or Houston, seven matches in because Houston was dealing with the exact same schedule. Exactly. But again, I think you, it's not fair and it's not an excuse. But the Kyle Hebert knee knock. In, in training that knocked him out for 10 days completely changed how this week of soccer went for city. That's, I mean, that's, that's not an excuse. That that's is a fact. That is yep. a fact. That's how this would have been, this would have looked completely different if they had Kyle Hebert, whether they needed him to play left back against Houston or center back against Houston or center back against RSL. It's a completely different look. I'm not saying the, the outcome's different. I'm saying what happens in the variables in there are different. If Kyle Hebert doesn't get his knee Busted up in training and out for ten days, but it's little things like that that change your season. Um, really quickly, because we're, we're we're chronologically through both RSL and Houston. Before we get forward, talk about some new things here. I want to go back to the St. Louis City press conference yesterday. Bradley Carnell dropped some incredibly uh, in, great informational nuggets uh, in his presser yesterday. First of all, right off the bat, uh, here's Bradley Carnell talking about his thoughts about the the first three games from the city perspective. Um, you know, we compare ourselves to ourselves um, and we look at last year's not just data, but the eye test as well. And we feel that we have a lot of energy about us. We feel that we have, you know, in the first two games, uh, yeah, we, we show glimpses of what we can do. Uh, we show tons of energy. Um, our counter pressures and our um, actions around the ball are a lot higher than, than last year. Take out the Houston game. Um, you know, our PPDA was on average of, of the whole of last year. So we look at all these things and, and compare ourselves to ourselves because that was a good barometer. That's a good level to compare ourselves to. Uh, obviously, you know, to Tom's point, you know, we're not looking back. Um, but the Houston game, we let ourselves down in that department where we didn't show the, the signature of our team. Um, and that's what we were most disappointed about. The signature that, of our team. That was that was well said, and I and I appreciate 
which is he said PPDA, which is one of their stat measurements, right? How much they press and how, how how well they're doing in that one. It's higher than last year. For anyone that says, "What is the identity of this team? Are they pressing like last year?" The plan is absolutely. You go back and, and go back and watch. If you were if you're one of those people who if you if you recorded it or have it saved on like your YouTube TV because that game was on FS FS2 that first game against game against Houston. You can go back and watch it. Watch the first half, even when they didn't score, and watch how many times Klaus Adenarin and AZ Jackson pressured a ball carrier and made him kick it back to the goalie, or how many times they pressured the goalie when he had the ball. I want to guess that Steve Clark had about 17 to 20 passes in that first game in City Park. He had 12 in that second game in Houston. They weren't pressuring him nearly as much. The ball was not on the foot of the tender consistently the way it was that first week because the pressure wasn't there. My theory is, again, it goes back to the back line, but you saw it right there, Carnell, putting a big line between what we saw against the first game in Houston, what we saw against RSL, and then that second game in Houston. Clearly, it wasn't enough. I actually thought this was fascinating. Carnell broke down uh, some more of the not, – not PPDA. Here he's talking about the offense they create from transition, and I really think this is this is a, a great point about what they want to be going forward. I thought there were some moments where, you know, we're looking to combine in short, tight spaces, and we're looking to be us. Um, and then, obviously, our game, our bread and butter is the transition, right? So, you know, the whole of last year, we had 5.5 shots in our transition phases um, on average uh, per game. Uh, over the first two games, the Champions League against Houston, against RSL, we had seven shots in the transition phase. So, you know, against Houston, it went down to two uh, in the transition. So, again, a day and night difference from the three games, um, you know, from the Houston game to the first uh, two competitive games that we played this year. So there you saw it. Great, I love being a I love being a fan of of Carnell and I love the fact that he's the guy that uh, that is doing this because you know they they play excellent stat ball and you know everybody's playing stat ball and money ball and 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 I love the fact that they do because I just I'm I'm only going to think like that if I have to and and the position that I'm taking especially doing this podcast so um so passionately is that I I don't want to I don't want to necessarily focus on that kind of stuff so you know I love that the team is but I I, I just want to see I just want to see the faces I, I want to see the spirit I want to see the killers in these in these guys and um, and and that's what it is because ultimately you know it's gonna come down to these little moments these little these little goal differences these picking up a point instead of three um, or, or even dropping three points and uh, and I just want to see I just want to see the aggression of each individual out there playing like it's like it matters like every minute matters you know what i mean that's that's uh that's what i want to see man that's what i'm here for baby i'm with you on that one moon from my side though i i do love hearing things and, and really getting the explanation you know last year five five over five shots per game were being created out of the transition they created seven total through the first two games clearly that's still not enough and if i had to go back and break it down i think they created five against houston in the first game and two against rsl uh, but and then he, but he's you know drawn the line and then he points out that it was two against Houston in Houston. That those are big differences that's showing you why they weren't able to why the offense looked so different. There's another clip I have in Carnell here. I'm not going to play this one, but he kind of throws it off. He, he finishes off by saying he goes, "We did not look like City in Houston this past yeah. game." That and then it comes down to that. I mean, that was a disappointing game. Everyone's acknowledged that. Everyone wants to throw that one completely out because it was not the game that City wants to play or expects to play. 
Woods Basement Systems, the all things basement experts. Right now you can get a free estimate at moonloveswoods.com because spring is here and that means rain and wet soaked ground all around your house. If your basement has musty smells, damp walls, signs of mold or mildew, maybe even standing water in your basement after a rainstorm, you gotta call Woods today. Wet and leaky basements do not get better with time, they get better with Woods. Remember I had that incredibly difficult front porch situation that looked bad and was a total safety hazard and Woods Basement Systems helped me fix that for good. Not only did they level the entire slab of concrete, but they installed piers to make sure that the job was done right for the long term. They can fix your settling driveways and so much more. The basement waterproofing, the foundation repair, egress windows. Go to moonloveswoods.com for a free estimate today. Don't wait any longer. Prevent further damage. Remember, the problems won't get better with time. They'll get better with Woods because the problem will be fixed forever. It's the all things basement experts at Woods Woods Basement Systems. Get that free estimate at moonloveswoods.com. One big thing that I've seen discussed lately, you know, the formations always is going to be a big topic, Moon. One thing people have been talking about is whether or not, you know, the two striker formations or specifically the Sam and Klaus formations together are the best thing for City. What are your thoughts going forward about that combination? Would you like to see a, a Sam and a Denneran be more of a rotational pieces inside of a one striker formation, or do you think that the Klaus Sam on the field at the same time is the best thing going forward? You know, I am completely unresolved because uh, last year we saw a lot of the, the, the rotation kind of stuff. And, and to tell you the truth, it always made me nervous. I was always like, Oh, okay, we're putting a lot on one guy here and rotating a few different people. Let's give them a, a solid five, six week streak there of starting them together and see what chemistry they can develop. I'm not in training. I don't see what they're doing. I don't see, uh, them off the field. I, I think I really like both of them personally from what I can see on social media and everything. And and they seem to be agreeable cats where they can do um, some pretty, you know, chemistry based things together beyond just their skills. But I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. And I think it's too early to really think about that. So going back to last year and what I wanted as far as an experiment goes, this is what I want to see. I want to see them starting together to see if they can really get some pacing together. Now, listen, dude, Again, I'm happy that everybody in, in, in our league and in our, our team is playing stat ball, but I want to see I want to see drama and, and talking about the identity from last year. What we saw was drama in a good way. We were taking drama everywhere we went. Every away match, these other teams were like, this team is on fire. They've got a soul. They've got a spirit. They've got a ton of fuel backing them. Uh, you know, they're nowhere near burning their afterburners right here. They they have a a soul of intensity. There was an intensity to it. I want to see drama from this team and and i'm hoping that those two together can get some um some momentum and really create some drama as a pair that's 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 what you want you, you want two deadly weapons uh up up top i at least you know i i do i i think especially with joe Akini being out i i think that this is the uh logical step to take right to give them a chance to see if we can be a, a two striker uh attack I think you, you've used the word shape a couple times in this episode. And, I, and that's why I honestly think that the question shouldn't be for me, whether or not Klaus and Sam is the best combination. I just think, I think the answer to the question is that city is the best when they, as a when they bring in a two striker shape. And I think you see that with Klaus or excuse me, a Denneran's ability to attack from the wing where he's gotten a lot of his most dangerous chances this year, where he's gotten, both of his goals this year um, is him attacking from the wing. 
And I think that you need a second person playing in the middle to keep that shape and keep that danger in the middle. It doesn't now it doesn't have to be Klaus. It can be Thor. It can be Pompeyu. It was Pompeyu, in fact, yeah. on that goal for Sam where he cut back inside from the byline earlier this year. It was Pompeyu who was the striker that allowed the other secondary striker that allowed him to get that width because he knew if I can go out here and get wide, I'm not leaving that space completely unoccupied. There's no danger there. And so I think the, 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 the answer is here, which is because of Sam's ability to attack from the wing, you need to always have two strikers. And because of Klaus's ability to drop back and play into a secondary striker or a shadow striker or ten, almost a, a number 10 role because of how much he likes to press defenders with the ball, I think that always means you need somebody else who can be some who can be the more forward player. That if Klaus does win the ball back, oh don't worry, there's still somebody forward who's a, who has finishing ability, who's pressing the back line, even though Klaus is at midfield winning this ball. Now the you have those two things. The question is, is that not a congruent con uh con um combination? Whereas if Klaus wants to win the ball at midfield coming back. And if Denner wants to attack from the flank, maybe they don't actually fit together. And maybe the best combination for those guys is somebody like a Thor or a Pompeu who can constantly be pressing the back line while they either, one, go attack the flank for Sam or go back to midfield to press the ball for Klaus. So I actually think the question here isn't whether or not Klaus and Sam is the best combination. I think the conclusion is City is best as a two-striker team because of Klaus and Sam. But maybe Klaus and Sam aren't always the best combination for a full 90 because you need those periods where, again, Sam can go attack the flank, but he needs Klaus to stay in the middle. But then Klaus can't be dropping back and attacking the ball necessarily because Sam's already out on the flank. That's yeah. where I think the question becomes. I think they can work together well in pockets, but I do think that you know a substitution, bringing one of them in at the 60, having one of them play 90, flipping that role for the next game – would be an interesting combination. Here's the thing, though. We're going to talk about this in a little bit. Schedule congestion just got a lot easier for St. Louis City. Yeah, it sure did. And so maybe you it don't sure even did. need that rotationary thing. So maybe the question is just figuring out more, you know, how Sam and, and Zhao can combine their two different styles of playing a similar position together on the field at the same time. And let's get into why that schedule congestion just got a little bit lighter, Moon. And that's because yeah. this is the latest more- drama. Yeah, you just got bumped out of Champions Cup, which is unfortunate. Um, and and because of because you were in the Champions Cup, this also means because of the new ruling coming down, you will not be playing in the U.S. Open Cup. And obviously, if you're a St. Louis City fan, you you and, and you know about this, you know why it's a big deal. And if you're but if you're just a casual fan, I'll explain to you really quickly why this is such a big deal for so many St. Louis City fans. You probably have you know um, podcasters or or fans of City that have been very expressive about why this is such a big problem. And that's because St. Louis has an incredible history with the U S open cup, 11 different times in the St. Louis history. They have won the U S open cup and in the way that U S open cups been back to um, the earliest days is you had amateur teams, you know, from, you know, companies who are, who are participating in, in this, in this competition. So it's, it's history in a lot of ways. And then if it's for people who have, who have become bonded with world soccer, um, you know, view the U.S. Open Cup the same way they, they do, you know, the FA Cup in England as these these ways for lower teams to host these powers to make money that helps them 
you know, their entire, fun, you know, fund their entire season that helps these smaller teams enrich the game overall. And the U.S. Open Cup is our version of it here in the United States. And last year, St. Louis City hosted an Open Cup game, and it was one, the 10th largest crowd for any round ever. And it was the largest yeah. ever for the third round Open Cup game ever. And so there's that history and there's that connection to the grassroots part of soccer, which we've talked about before, of how important that is to soccer. And for some reason, inexplicably, MLS decided to say, screw that. There's too much congestion in our schedule. We'll give you our MLS next pros teams, and that's it. But then U.S. soccer you know, came out and said, listen, you, the, the, the clearly states that if you are a Division One team, a top division club, you have to play in every tournament possible. And that includes the U.S. Open Cup because they created the League's Cup, which is the other competition City will compete in. And they created that to create a competition between Liga MAX and the MLS. And it's a money grab. That's just what it is. That's what that's what the tournament for, for the League's Cup is. It's a money grab. They want to make more money. That's why they created it. That's why there's schedule congestion that needed to be fixed by getting rid of the only grassroots competition where non-professional clubs actually get to participate and lower clubs like USL clubs and things like that get to participate. And so the money grab led to them butchering the U.S. Open Cup. Now they've, they've made it so that the teams that were in the Champions Cup will not participate in the U.S. Open Cup. Um, so uh, eight clubs we excluded, Columbus, Inter-Miami, Cincinnati, St. Louis City, Orlando City, New England Revolution, Nashville, Philadelphia, and Vancouver. The Houston Dynamo, despite being in the U.S. in the Champions Cup, are the champions right now of the U.S. Open Cup, so they will stay in it. And then um, the next seven teams in the MLS Supporter Shield standings will send their first team, and then other clubs will send their nine MLS affiliated um, next pro. next pro teams. And then there will also be a couple other independent teams that are added to the to the tournament as well. Bottom line, though, because City has been eliminated from the Champions Cup already, it doesn't matter. They will not be in the U.S. Open Cup. And obviously, fans of St. Louis are not very happy about this. I'm going to read this post from yesterday from the St. Luligans on Twitter slash X. Quote, unquote, we are furious and disappointed in the decision of MLS to reduce participation in the U.S. Open Cup. The Open Cup is a foundation of soccer in America, and St. Louis's participation in the tournament has been a statement of pride for soccer fans in St. Louis. To not have our club participating is an insult to the St. Louisans as longtime supporters of soccer in St. Louis. The excuse of quote-unquote schedule congestion that they have created with a cash-grab tournament is MLS trying to erase the strong history of St. Louis and the national soccer landscape. As a result, individual members will make their own decision regarding attending the League's Cup. Leadership is not attending and advising to boycott in support of the Open Cup, we will not be participating in game day events and game activities as a result during the League's Cup. This is not a lack of support for our players and staff. It is a referendum on the atrocious decision of MLS to ignore the history of soccer that St. Louis has played a vital role in. On the other side, really quickly, Moon, I do want to say that City President Diego Gigliani did release a statement earlier in an article with Tom Timmerman of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch where he came out and said that our perspective is we understand the decision made by MLS and U.S. soccer. At the same point, our preference would have been to be able to play in this competition. 
St. Louis as a city has a really rich history in this competition. The competition already has its own rich history, and St. Louis and teams from St. Louis have a rich history within that competition, ranging all the way back to the beginning of the century and more recent with the USL team that was here. So we would have liked to play in the competition. That has been our consistent position with the MLS through this negotiating period. One last final point, Moon, I do want to say that the MLS Sporting and Competition Committee is most likely who made this decision. It is a 13-person committee that St. Louis City is not currently on. Interesting. Man, I, I here's my, my take is this this is awful. It sucks. It's horrible for uh, for us as fans. It's it's not great for for the team or really the sport in the country. Uh, I really think it does it, it will chip away a lot from that. Now, do I think it's personal? No, I think it's pure business. I think that's the only thing that's really not right about the statement necessarily that the Luligans made, but I back them in everything that they said. And what can you do? What do you do other than respectfully um, boycott like they are the the League's Cup? I I totally I totally support that. I don't know if and I'll be able. To, I don't know if I'll be able to do that. It's a perfectly connected boycott. But that's exactly right. It's, I, I mean, love it. That that's those that's are the options that you're left. Yeah, those are the options that you're left with, and they stand by exactly it. how they feel. And and I understand how they feel like it's a personal thing. I, I I don't think it's a personal thing. I think, like Rocchio said, it's money. It's a money grab. It's uh, it's business. And this is this. You know, they're uh they're they're running it uh, like they're running it, and it sucks. It sucks horribly bad. I'm I'm hoping that some change may be enacted by uh, the Luligans and and people like the Luligans. Uh, Here's the thing. I, I hope it has year, effect. It's yeah, it's a one year thing. So the the hope is that you you show the MLS why this is such a problem, and yeah. they make the appropriate changes to the 2025 U.S. Open Cup. First teams are back in it, so yeah. on and so forth. Um, I think they're doing the right honestly, thing here's within the thing. their I'll, power. I'll, I'll throw a bone to, to this consideration. Teams, if they want to, and this is simple, actually. This isn't even throwing a bone. This isn't even throwing a bone to, to MLS about this. This is just how you do it. Change your stupid roster rules so that teams can expand can their rosters up. for U.S. Open Cup games. Yep, that's it. And if they want to essentially treat it like an MLS Next Pro game, that is the franchise's choice to do so. But to just not give them the chance because they were in the Champions Cup. I'm sorry, it's dumb because in Diego Gigliani, this a lot of people aren't happy with his statement because they didn't because City didn't come out effusively before the statement. Yeah, saying, he's, we stand he's, for that's, this. that's we exactly stand how for he this. has to play we, it. Of course, yeah. It's, it's, how it's he dumb. Has to play it's it. dumb yeah. that people are mad about this. You're part of a league. The MLS is different in that. You know the league has more power than the owners. I think, which is a lot different than any other sports league in the, right. in America. Where there's the a game to be played. There is a exactly. game to be played. And so there's a game to be played. So it's ridiculous, and it's an it's an unreal expectation to to think City should have come out here and took their shoe off and banged their shoe on the table until until you know the change was made. But Diego even explains in that excellent article by Tom Timmerman that this would have been a good way for them to play younger players, the bottom half of their roster. That's yeah. how Diego says it. So. That's a good thing because you're playing USL teams. You don't have to act like you have to play your first team roster. You play your lower roster, but more importantly, you play the game in Omaha. You play the game in Birmingham. You play the game in Tacoma or what have you because it's about growing the game and the and, and the team's worth 200, 300 million can afford to make that can afford to make that trip. And, and then it helps the soccer fan because those cities that maybe don't have MLS profiles 
now have a reason for 10,000 people to come go watch a soccer game yeah. over a weekend. And the benefit of that is that Michael Wenzel gets to play another 90 without having to use one of his loans. And Caden Glover, who's could be one of your stars as a, as a homegrown player, could now have real game tape that City fans, who are casual fans, who aren't ever going to maybe watch a City 2 game or an MLS Next Pro game, now they can see Caden Glover playing. What a novel concept that that would be a good thing for the fans who are just casual to see a guy who's 16, 17 and could be on this team in this organization for 10, 12, 15 years of his career. And it could be this beautiful connection these fans make with a player who's going to be here and is going to grow up with them. That'd be wonderful. What a great thing that could it could be for soccer and make an MLS and city. But for yeah. some reason, and, and ultimately is, it, it will pay dividends to the MLS. Exactly. The more, the more top flight soccer in this country going around, gaining fans, you know, churning up business, churning up excitement. That's ultimately going to be as good for the MLS as anybody um, as it has been this last 25 years. A hundred percent. And so I don't, I don't know how the roster expansion wasn't such an easy thing for them to just be like, well, you have too many games to play. Okay. How does every other large club in the world, first division club in the world handle this situation? They play their young, they play their youth team essentially in the early rounds. What a novel concept. Yeah. You stole, well, you stole the most boring thing from your, from Europe and how you name your teams and then decide that everything <laughs> else from that continent is taboo and it's the dumbest thing in the world. That's a that's a great that's a great take there, Rakia. That I that is. That. Thank you very yeah, much. but I mean, Let's... they do have to do things differently just because they. The only thing that we do similarly is steal the names. Exactly. Um, let's uh, well, let's wrap this one up, Moon, with with a little conversation looking towards New York City FYC. The game is going to be coming up here in about you know ten hours or so when the podcast will post. So I'm I'm expecting a good game here from City. They, they got to get everything back. They've had a little bit of time of rest. I'm expecting the high press to be extra, uh, you know, in action and, yeah. and high up the pitch. And I think City's going to be looking for an early goal. For sure. City SC won all three of its home matches against Eastern Conference opponents last year. Combined 11-2, and two, scoring at least three times in all three matches. Uh, so Look the stats, you. if we're playing stats, they're, they're with us. You. The match is going to – That's right. It's going to mark the first ever meeting between City SC and uh, City F, uh, and New York City FC. Uh, they won its uh, – they won 17 MLS regular season away matches last season. New York City FC did, finishing with a record of one eight and eight, scoring 12 and conceding 23 goals in those matches. Now, um, New York City FC kicked off this season with a one nothing loss away to Charlotte FC, and they conceded in the eighth minute early on in the game. Uh, never came back; just didn't look that great. They finished 11th last year in the Eastern Conference with nine eleven and fourteen record. And just missed out on the MLS playoffs by two points, so they got something to prove. Um, they have uh, they they have uh, Rodriguez in this in the center. He's 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 an assist guy. Uh, I here's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to taking advantage of a team that's kind of um, got the wind, not really in their sails at all yet. Not from last season. Not from this season so far. What I'm hoping to see, man, and, and and we were talking about this earlier with the shape, especially with Klaus and Adeneran uh, up top, dude, like uh, this is a, you know, we can play stat ball and we can talk stats and we can figure it out, but this isn't a sales team. We we need like plays put together. I'm, I'm hoping to see some chemistry build, but, but you know, like you got to see some of the results of training out on the pitch. And I just haven't seen that in three matches. I haven't seen that yet at all. I haven't seen designed plays or, or what looks like maybe designed plays. I haven't seen 
somebody put a ball somewhere without looking because they know somebody's going to be there. I, I haven't seen any of that stuff yet, and I'm hoping that we start to see not not just the confidence and the spirit and the, and the, and the push, uh, but I'm, I'm hoping we see some really designed um, play. You, you know what I mean? Because again, like what we're not, this is not a sales team. What we're talking about. Uh, athletes that need to move and change and be creative. And I just haven't seen any creativity yet. And I'm really hoping to see that here against a perfect team to show it off. I, I, I really do feel like New, New York City FC, yeah. this is a great opponent because this isn't somebody uh, to take lightly, but it's also somebody that you can kind of use and abuse, I feel, if if our team is hitting all the marks. Absolutely. One thing I will say to watch out for, they have two new wingers that have been getting uh, into the game more. Uh, Hannes Wolf played 83 minutes in their first game. Um, and Jovan Mitovic, who's an 18-year-old Serbian star they brought over, only played 29 minutes in that first game. So watch out for those two young guys. If they're playing a little bit more, that could be where NYC FC kind of finds their new offense after a rough season last year. So watch out for those names. Uh, the city back line still a little bit um, un- you know, unsaid uh, what, what's going to happen here. Tim Parker is more ready than Josh Yarrow. I expect to see probably Parker and Nielsen, maybe not the full game, but I expect to see a more whole back line. And again, I think that means we're going to see a lot more of the high press back in action. Yeah, man. Let's, let's just hope that we continue the streak for New York city FC who only won one of those away matches. They're terrible on the road so far. So let's keep that going. There we go. How about a, uh, what do you think could be a good start for the city game? You think? Well, I think we should keep it going with like a, like a second minute. Goal! Goal! 